Welcome to the latest episode of the Hammer and Tusk podcast. This is not the second take that we're doing because we just crashed a computer. This is, in fact, the first take. My name is Mac. And my name is Ren. And we're so glad that you decided to join us today. So, first thing we're going to talk about is a cool panel about future things that Ren was on last week. Tell us about that. Yeah, it was really, really fun. So we talked about virtual reality and artificial intelligence and how they'll shape our future. And it was really interesting talking to a crowd of people for whom this is all kind of new territory and seeing what the questions on their mind were. So one of the big questions they had about VR was, do we really think that this is going to see mass adoption and how soon are they going to start interacting with it on a day-to-day basis? So we talked a lot about how the technology is changing so rapidly, how this is really the first time in history that the tech is changing faster than people are adopting it, which is really interesting to see. Yeah. Yeah, 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 yeah. Um, It is interesting to pull our heads out of our bubbles, we'll say. (laughs) Talk to people who don't share our sort of Kool-Aid drinking Mm -hmm. obsession with this stuff. It can be refreshing. Uh, Still trying to tell people what I do for a living, you know. It's never been easy. (laughs) These days, it's just over the top. Uh, First up, how virtual reality might break your brain. How is VR going to break my brain? So this is an article by a friend of Hammer and Tusk named Alex Handy. Hi, Alex. Hi. And um, he's still suffering from dizziness and vertigo thanks to uh, sort of um, experiential experience that a friend of his built. So just talking about how we can see the power of VR in our brains, but we also maybe are not giving it the due of how much effect it really can have on us. Well, we certainly haven't been doing any long-term studies that I know of. Exactly. So, uh, you know, also experiential experience is proof (laughs) that you're listening to a VR podcast. (laughs) Next up, RoboSuit and virtual reality reverse some paralysis in people with spinal cord injuries. So not only can it break my brain, but maybe... It can fix my brain. What is this one about? This is really, really exciting. So they're using VR to treat people with paralysis. So the idea is they put you in an exoskeleton suit and they put you into VR goggles and they trick your body into thinking it can walk. And what you told me is that there is only a small amount of success that we've seen, but it is real success and it can affect things like bladder control and people who are struggling with that. You can understand why that would be meaningful to somebody who is at that point in their life. Absolutely. Okay, next up we have... Oh, yeah. Space VR will launch the world's first virtual reality camera satellite in 2017. Tell us Matt doesn't like space! <laughs> Matt doesn't like space. He doesn't like NASA. He thinks it's a waste of money. He's wrong. He's wrong. Everything's <laughs> wrong. Ren thinks he's wrong. But for the rest of us, maybe yeah. not for Mac, this is really cool. You know, if you want to go and take a 360 video of Hawaii and show your friends, that's nice. Why not take a 360 video of the entire world? How cool is that, Mac? Yes, very <laughs> cool. Uh, uh, next, next, I like this one. This is from a company I think called Dwe Dwe, the Chinese company. Might have got the name wrong. The headset is called V1. This is the coolest looking headset I've seen so far. That is real. The coolest looking not real headset we've seen was a hoodie. Yeah. That had a, like a visor that descended and tactile arm feedback and all this. But this is actually real. We haven't tried it. The guys at Mashable did. 
And they said it was pretty good. There were some issues with your nose. This looks like, 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 like with it fitting around your nose or something. Yeah, it's a little front heavy. Front heavy, you know, top heavy, falling forward. On the other hand, better, better pixel density than the Oculus or the Vive. Cheaper than the gear. Or sorry, not cheaper than the gear. Um, better field of view than the gear. And yeah. all for something like $600. And it looks like um, Mad Max glasses. They're like, you know, like steampunk sunglasses. Like they're not, it's not over the top big at all. Far from, if you saw somebody walking down the street wearing this, you wouldn't look twice. I mean, if you lived in, like, small-town Milwaukee, you might look twice. But if, <laughs> if I saw this dude wearing this headset walking down the street in Vancouver, I'd be like, oh, yeah, he's yeah. in steampunk, Wouldn't whatever. Blink. And it's got one cord that plugs into an iPod-esque device on your hip, which powers the whole thing. Pretty exciting. I'm, we're we're going to get our hands on this one. This one matters. Yeah. Uh, next up, augmented reality microscope gives neurosurgeons the accuracy of a Top Gun pilot. That's some good PR you got right there. Yeah. <laughs> Maybe not as exciting as Top Gun, but still kind of cool. They're basically using GPS combined with a VR environment and then projecting a real vision of a patient anatomy onto that so you can see it in microscopic detail, but you can see it in 3D instead of 2D. Yeah. So it's pretty much a 3D microscope. The, uh, the, the things that our technology is going to do for science and health is really... It's exciting. It, it matters. It does. Uh, article of the week. Augmented reality games like Pokemon Go need a code of ethics. Before we start talking about this one, I want to talk about what I thought it was about when I first read this headline, which was about, like, stop stopping in the middle of the goddamn sidewalk and pulling out your Pokemon Go. Because there's that, too, right? Now, that's a whole mobile thing. That's the zombie screen rectangular slave that we've all become. But this is not about that. We'll forget my tangent. This is actually about um, what is essentially classism that's present in Pokemon Go. Yeah. So the question is whether a developer has responsibility for an end product, even if they're not directly creating it. So in this case, Niantic crowdsourced all of the information for Pokemon Go from Ingress. So all of the Pokestops and all of the gyms are based on locations that they gathered from Ingress. And Ingress players were early adopters of AR, which meant that they had money and they had smartphones before a lot of other people did. So what we're seeing is a dearth of Pokestops and a dearth of gyms in rural or poor neighborhoods. So basically, and I mean rural, honestly, like I had a location-based uh, games company like seven years ago, mm -hmm. and uh, rural's just fucked. You can't, you can't <laughs> do anything about rural. Rural's hard. Uh, but if you have urbanly dense places yeah. filled with people, and in 2016, anywhere in the Western world, including socioeconomically disadvantaged neighborhoods, are still filled with smartphones, mm -hmm. uh, if you don't have content in your game for people who live there, that kind of sucks, and yeah. maybe you should fix it. And it's, I think it is your responsibility to fix, especially with a runaway game like Pokemon Go, where they can't argue that they don't have the resources or the ability to make the resources. They don't have... They can't argue they don't have the money. They could fairly right. argue they don't have the time yet. That's true, because they have a tiny team. And they're growing so quickly. You know, it's not like these guys are assholes. How could they do this? But it's like, hey, this is the situation of this thing that you love. You breathed life into this exactly. thing. Exactly. So how do you make it more awesome for more people? Yeah. I'm sure they'll rise to the cause. I'm sure they're great people. Um, we'll see. We'll check back up on that. 
The thing that is not in this week's issue that we're going to discuss next week, which is interesting, we're doing a big special next week in our issue and in our podcast, literally making this up right now, but we are going to talk about Apple and AR. We know that for a long time, Apple's been hiring VR or AR people. We know that everybody's been musing and hypothesizing and philosophizing and pontificating on what it is that Apple might do in the uh, you know hologram space. It seems like, we, you know, we haven't read the article, we read the headline, it seems like Tim Cook has finally come out and made some kind of bold statement. Yeah, he said that it's going to be a core technology for Apple, but there's no evidence of what that means to them. Well, next week we are going to do our own pontificating. Yeah. Tune in to the newsletter, you can sign up at hammerandtusk.com. Tune into the podcast, you probably know where to find it if you heard it here, uh, and we'll, we'll go deep on that one. And that is this week's episode of the Hammer and Tusk podcast. My name is Matt. And my name is Ren. And we'll see you next week. Thanks for joining us. See ya.